Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. One-two pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemis has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive to the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! A two-run home run! The Brewers take the lead! Morgan, a smash up the middle! Base hit the center! Here comes Gomez! Around third! A throw and the Brewers win! You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Year's Debt Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, there's anything that we've learned over the last two seasons, literally getting close to over the last 365 days, give or take a few, it's that no good can come from the few days right after a trade deadline. But before we talk about all that, how you doing, Adam? Well, Andrew, I'm doing I'm doing all right. I'm doing fine. Um listen, could things be better for the Brewers? Sure. Might things be better again? Maybe. We'll find out. But uh yeah, not what we wanted. I, I I'm just like considerably less angry than you, considerably less angry than everyone else. Seems like I didn't see the closing game of this national series live. Which certainly plays into it, um, but also like I don't know, I, I don't know. We'll talk through. We'll talk through the series. Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers after uh, getting swept by the Atlanta Braves, either getting crushed or blowing a lead every single time that they managed to take a lead in the bottom half of every inning, went out and lost two out of three to the Washington Nationals. Uh, Should have gone out. And taken two out of three uh, after a tough start on the Monday game of the series. They bounce back with a win on Tuesday and then Wednesday, as you just described it uh, off air to me. The ninth inning was a clown car uh, from a defensive standpoint, from an umpiring standpoint, and just uh, and everything that could go wrong will go wrong situation. And they blew the game in the ninth inning. Uh, funny. Uh, News and note there is Corey Dickerson, the man that uh, I believe started the rally, ended up getting cut by the Nationals after the game. And I found that both sad and humorous in the aftermath of my uh, uh, my feelings on that game. Uh, so, yeah, 
nice uh nice way to thank him for starting that rally to nationals um first bit of news is uh wade miley did make his return from the il on uh, wednesday to start a game here and uh the corresponding move to get him back onto the active roster was owen miller being sent down to triple a nashville owen miller had an absolutely red hot may um but after may has been trending on the downward slope an 86 ops plus for the season um and uh, with the additions of uh, Mark Cannon and Carlos Santana, his uh, playing time was obviously going to be diminished at first base. Maybe at a certain point, uh, if Abraham Toro cools off or Andre Monasterio or somebody goes to I always see Owen Miller again. But we'll always have May. But I think uh, given the way the roster looks right now, uh, this move kind of makes sense. I don't know what you think. I think it kind of makes sense and is also, in spite of his really, really severe struggles, just kind of a little bit surprising when it broke, just to see him as the name. Um, but yeah, when you kind of you go through it player by player and you look at the crunch and you look at what they're trying to do positionally and I guess also how um, their deadline acquisitions have changed some things. Yeah, I guess this is, this is what it had to be. And if Al Miller had kept hitting at say even 70% of that glorious hot streak he had going he's probably still there but he's cooled off in a major way Andrew Monasterio has stepped up big time as a hitter and you know when it comes to utility infield spots then Monasterio kind of drank on Miller's milkshake so it's tough for, for you know everyone in Fredonia Wisconsin zone is headed to Nashville. We may well see him again at some point, but I, I do think it makes sense in, in this particular move. Yeah, always going to be hard for him to maintain, or he's never going to maintain a regular starting spot when you don't hit the ball hard and you don't walk because your offensive value is completely predicated on balls finding gaps and spots <laughs> through the infield, bloop singles, ground ball singles, whatever it may be. Obviously, uh, power, not a huge part of his game either. But we thank him for his contributions in May, and we await to see if uh, we see him again at some point. The defensive versatility, obviously, is Miller's calling card and a place where he can add value to this team. Just wasn't working with the bat anymore. Moving on to the the first game of this series, Corbin Burns taking the mound against Jake Irvin. Um, Nationals take the lead in the second inning. Joey Manessis, a guy whose name I had thrown around a little bit uh, around the trade deadline, hits a solo homer to make it one nothing. Nationals in the third, William Contreras doubles to the right to score Christian Yelich to tie the game up at one. In the fifth, Elaine Thomas single scored C.J. Abrams uh, to make it two to one. Um, Corbin Burns goes six innings, four hits, two runs. They were both earned three walks, five strikeouts, the homer to Manessis. Um, not Burns' sharpest outing, but one that he fought through, got a quality start, and gave the team a chance to stay in the game as when he exited. The, uh, it was a um, 2-1 game. In the sixth, uh, Andre Monasterio would single to right to score South Freelick to make it 2-2. Two two. Uh, Brewers take the lead in the seventh on a Joey Weimer homer to uh, center field, and then uh, things would go awry in the bottom of the seventh. Elvis Pagaro on the mound. Uh, Lane Thomas singles with Corey Dickerson on 
to, to make it 3-3. And then Joey Manessis drives in some more runs, a single to center, um, scoring Alex Call and Lane Thomas. That makes it 5-3 Nationals. Uh, Hobie Milner comes in to clean up that inning to get the final out on one pitch. Bryce Wilson follows with a scoreless eighth inning of his own. Uh, but then the Brewers are not able to get anything done against um, the back half of the Nationals bullpen. Mason uh, Thompson and Kyle Finnegan go scoreless in the eighth and the ninth. Uh, Nationals win 5-3 as the Brewers' losing streak extends to four games. This is one we kind of touched on, I guess, briefly on our, our last episode as um, it was right in the midst of all things, um, all things trade deadline. Tough to see Piguero kind of continue what has been a trend, which is teams have been getting to him quite a lot more lately. Um, this certainly being one of the more notable and one of the most costly instances of it against a team like the Nationals in a game you should be winning in a game where you have the lead and he comes into the game and you lose the lead and you never regain it. I guess these are the kind of things that are going to happen, uh, even with your best relievers when they're in high leverage spots over the course of a season. And it really hasn't happened very often for the Brewers, but it is still tough to see. And particularly with Piguero, I mean, I think everyone's going to be watching him closely because if we don't want to commit to it being a larger trend yet, he needs to at least kind of steady the ship and prove that's not the case and get back to, to posting some zeros because he's a really important player. Um, we know that there is a further reinforcement that will be joining the mix for the next series now, but the Brewers need Elvis Piguero to be good. Um, maybe not to be as perfect as he has been for large spells of the season, but they need him to be good. And this wasn't it. And it, it cost them a game that they could have had sets the, the series off on the wrong foot. And that is in a lot of ways, I think a taster of, of what's to come. The Brewers would back, uh, bounce back in the immediate aftermath of this loss. Freddie Peralta on the mound against Josiah Gray. And, you know, kind of a, uh, in a similar but you know less successful in terms of run prevention given that he added uh one more run to the ledger kind of similar to what corbin burns did on monday uh freddie peralta uh battling through through it to turn in a quality start six innings pitch six hits three runs they were all earned two walks seven strikeouts brewer score first in the second andrew monasterio again singles to score willie damas uh then in the it was a throwback to the Brave series here, as in the uh, bottom half of the inning, the Brewers immediately give the run back. Um, Jake Alou singles to center to score Dom Smith, makes it one to one. Then CJ Abrams singles to score Alou and Corey Dickerson to make it three to one. CJ Abrams was thrown out at second, though. Um, yeah, so one bad inning where all the runs come for Freddie, for the most part, very good. Seven strikeouts, missing bats, did not allow Homer in this game, which I think was important. Uh, obviously very important for what the rest of his uh, season looks like if he is keeping the ball in the ballpark. In the fourth, the Brewers equalize Bryce Terang's single scores Willie Adamas and Mark Canna um, to make it 3-3. Joey Weimer follows with a single of his own uh, to score Andrew Monasterio, and Bryce Terang makes it 5-3. 
In the seventh, William Contreras adds some insurance to double to left, scores Bryce Durang to make it 6-3. Admiral Uribe would relieve Freddie Peralta, allows a run uh, on one hit, did have a strikeout, 22 pitch, uh, seventh inning for him. So not as sharp as outing, but another, I'd say, you know, another positive step in his career development anyway. The old Pimes follows with a scoreless eighth, and then Devin Williams closes things down in the ninth. Both of them have a strikeout. Uh, a nice win that saw them score early, go down, battle back, and get good uh, pitching for the most part across the board. Uh, they were able to knock out Josiah Gray after three and two-thirds innings, four hits, five runs, all learned. He had three walks, three strikeouts. So the all-star for the Nats um, was, uh, you know, really no match for the Brewers on this day. When it comes to Freddie, I mean, I guess we've been on something of a roller coaster lately where we're seeing the best of them, we're seeing the worst of them. A little bit of that all combined in this game and did a great job to get true six innings in the end. That second inning, though, was really concerning. Um, not just in terms of giving up the tree earned runs, but also really, really, you know, going deep into the pitch count there and putting himself under the kind of pressure that you've got to really give him a lot of credit for getting out of but I think it's exactly the kind of mess that he just has to get better down the stretch of the season that avoiding putting himself into um the Brewers just can't afford it he hasn't been as good as they need him to be this season I don't think we necessarily have as kind of as large of a microscope on his performance because look at the other pitchers in the starting rotation by way of injury and look at a lot of the other guys who've had to kind of step up, and we're, we've given them a lot of credit, but also they get cut a lot of slack. And with that, Freddie kind of gets put to an elevated place, but it's an elevated spot in the rotation that also comes with a little bit more forgiveness because, hey, he's, you know, well, he's better than Julio Tehran, or you want him out there over Colin Ray or Adrian Hauser. That's not it, though. Freddie should be a lot better than I think what we're seeing overall, and we've seen, what was it, two starts ago, three starts ago now, what? the absolute best version of him could be and what his his stuff suggests really he should be on a much more regular basis consistency just continues to be an issue so i like a lot of what is in this particular start from him love that he bounced back and he managed to get out of there with six good innings under 100 pitches considering i feel like he was over 30 pitches in that second um in that second inning alone but some concerns, I guess, just about that one blip. And you, you're right to point out it's definitely good news you can give up a homer. Um, I'd love to get to a point where we can just see the damage really kind of managed better. Like you, something closer to, I'm not looking for him to be Corbin Burns, but something closer to, I guess, how the runs come about in Corbin's outing. Um, with Freddie, if it's not homers, it does tend to be okay, bases are loaded and we're looking at runs after runs after runs. And it's like, is he going to manage to survive this? Is he going to get out of this? Just doesn't seem like it makes life easier for him. Um, as for the pitching after that, I thought Abner Rebe was pretty good. There was some trouble there. Obviously, he gives up um, what I would describe as his first real earned run in the majors. But interesting to see him in that spot kind of following on from what we talked about with Piguero. If Piguero is not going to kind of fully regain a grip, maybe we're going to see more of Abner um, in the seventh, kind of leading into Piamps Devon on occasions. 
Of course, the Brewers have other options now too, but interesting to see him in a pretty high leverage spot, building up to the guys that you trust to go out and secure a win for you. Did what he needed to do, could be better, certainly could have been a lot worse. I continue to be very, very encouraged by the fact that he is not walking guys um compared to what we would have expected and has anticipated as potential issues he'd have he's shown really good command and he, he's not giving away too many free passes that feels like a big deal in terms of projecting what he could be over the rest of the season and beyond and as for the offense i mean this is a pretty fun one because it's nice to see bryce terang joey weimer come up big both of those guys have certainly had their share of struggles throughout the entirety of the season. Um, we know their immense value defensively for the Brewers. Um, but in this game and truthfully in this series, both those guys showed a little bit of something with the bat and came up with important hits when needed, no more so than in this second game of the series. Uh yeah, two great at bats. Uh, I wanted to talk about the other rookie as well who had a tough series at the plate. And uh, had a tough moment uh, defensively mm-hmm. where he banged into the wall pretty aggressively and, you know, sat out uh, Wednesday's day game, which makes a lot of sense against the lefty uh, daytime. But I think he did pinch hit in that game and then come into the game. So seems to be doing fine. But uh, Sal Freelick had two outfield assists in this game. He had the one where he hit uh, Carlos Santana as a cutoff man and tagged out CJ Abrams uh, that I mentioned earlier. And then, um, in the following inning, um, Tiber Ruiz single to right. <laughs> Excuse me, Freelick comes up throwing, delivers a one hopper to William Contreras, and he tags out um, Dom Smith at the plate. So two outfield assists uh, for Sal Freelick, and I think his throwing arm wasn't necessarily something that uh, anyone was talking about as for him as a prospect. But he seems to have a quick release, very accurate, and I think that one got up to. Uh, a pretty decent velocity. Um, I remember 94, 95, I think was what they said on the, the broadcast anyway. Yeah. So South Freelick, uh, looking good defensively. Um, and a great game for all three of the freshmen who, uh, we've been looking forward to see play together for quite some time. Um, and yeah, just the, the quality at bats that Weimer and Durang put up were, key and something that we hope to see more of final game in the series wade miley returning to the rotation a day game facing off against mckenzie gore uh brewers score in the second on a tyrone taylor solo homer to make it one nothing the uh nationals get one back in the third jake alou singles to score out call to make it one to one uh wade miley goes four innings in his return um three hits one run uh, two walks and five strikeouts uh, did a really gr- great job in that fourth and final inning where things were starting to go awry a little bit. Joey Manessis has reached on an infield single. Um, Dom Smith walk Wayne's Lane Adams walk the bases are loaded. He strikes out Alex call swing to get out of things. Brewers would get the lead back uh, in the sixth inning. Again, two of the rookies have great at bats. Uh, Bryce Terang walks uh, Joey Weimer hits a, uh, uh, chopper to shortstop and he beats it out. So an infield single uh, puts runners on first and second with no outs. Christian Yelich doubles down the left field line, scores terrain. So Yelich and Weimer uh, on second and third with no outs. 
And the moment of the game for me, um, William Contreras strikes out swinging. Carlos Santana strikes out swinging. Willie Adamas strikes out swinging. So the Brewers have that situation where you'd think they should at least scratch across another run. They don't. They lead the inning, uh, leading just 2-1. Get good uh, bullpen work in this game from Hobie Milner, Bryce Wilson, Elvis Peguero, and Yoel Piamps to take us to the ninth. Uh, all of the all of them uh, scoreless outings. Um, and then uh, in the ninth, with uh, some questionable umpiring, uh, which was to Corey be expected. Dickerson, yeah, Angel Hernandez was behind the plate. Um, and you know, Devin Williams should have struck out Corey Dickerson. He doesn't. Corey Dickerson hits a ball right at Carlos Santana, gets through his legs, so he reaches. Uh, Dom Smith with a kind of excuse me um, swing singles to left, but runners on first and second. Kybert Ruiz comes on to pinch hit. He would walk. Um, ground ball to third base. Uh, Andre Monasterio comes up cleanly with the ball, throws it wide to home. So throwing air for Monasterio. Uh, Corey Dickerson and the pinch runner Vargas score to walk the Brewers off. Nationals come away with a 3-2 win. You called it a cl- clown car ninth inning, Adam, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah, it sure was. Um... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I, again, I kind of want to get you angry here because you are angry and I think that should come across. We should talk through this. I get how visceral this is, how annoying it is, and it's also it's coming off the back of a really ugly series, albeit against the best team in baseball at the moment. Um, It's coming in a spell where the Brewers should be putting their foot down, running away with the division, and they're not. I'm in a place where I just, I expect all of this. I don't mean that in some sort of pessimistic way where it's like, oh, well, the Brewers are gonna... It's like, you look at what the Brewers are playing with, the roster they've built, what they're prepared to spend, the kind of the variance that comes with all the players they have as a result of that. And over a long season, they're going to have ninth innings like this. They're going to have really ugly games like this. We have seen plenty of them already. They are absolutely blowing an opportunity right now, but they are half a game back of the lead in the division. Now, I do think we are rapidly approaching a point where the Cincinnati Reds and their half game lead in the division may become less significant than the charging Cubs who are now only three games back. 
Um, and everybody's had a turn, and the Brewers just sit on either side of the everybody Brewers are the ones. The runs. Yes, the Brewers are the ones who are who are the steadiest team in the division, and ultimately that probably does make them most likely to win out and win the division. But as we know, baseball, <laughs> all it takes is a ultra hot streak, and the hot streak will often deliver the goods. It's it's not necessarily always going to be about being the steadiest of the bunch. Uh, I like at this point, I already feel like we can just kind of mark it down. This division race is coming down to the final series of the season when the Cubs come to Ampha, and it's going to be decided there. It, it just that's the Brewers are unlikely to create the kind of separation. That yes, they could, but they're just they're not that team. And I I I think there's a lot of kind of what I feel are almost unrealistic expectations of that this team is gonna click in and be a next level team that's gonna make this stuff look routine and go to the playoffs, and then it's like they can show out to be, oh well, you know, this is one of the best pitching teams in all of baseball, and a fairy tale run can happen. The flaws are evident and they're pretty deep rooted at multiple spots. And we know that they're basically going to exist year in, year out with the Brewers, unless all of the rookies hit and Jackson Churia does exactly what he's doing in double A when he comes to the major leagues and Jefferson Caro's an all-star. Like that is the path to this team, I think, being the team that everyone wants to hold them to a standard of. They should be better. The opportunity is there for them to be better, but they are exactly who they are. They are the Brewers, which to me is why a series like this one happens. Now, I'll be right there with everyone if they go and they lose a series to the Pittsburgh Pirates, because then you're pissing away your, your season. But I think at this point, we've seen a we've seen a lot of series. I've seen enough series like this one from the Brewers where I'm like. Yeah, this is this is who they are, and this isn't the make or break. The make or break is okay. Can they write the ship? How quickly do they snap out of it? And I kind of excuse them. The Braves. I know the Braves thing was painful. It could be a whole lot better. I know for you, it was more annoying than anyone. You had to sit there and watch it in the building. But I I do think you know there are better teams than the Brewers who can quite easily face the Braves and experience what they did there. So we're at one series that they would have won if not for Clown Car Ninth Inning. They still should have won it, but they are who they are, which I think is part of the reason why they don't. Does that make sense without me? Because I'm not I'm not looking to make excuses for them. I'm just this is kind of how I am rationalizing the Milwaukee Brewers at this point. And it's how my expectations are processed. Yes, I know. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Um, and the Brave series, I'm I'm not mad about that. We play that for content because of my own personal baggage. Here's where, like, and I still think this team wins the division. But here's where if someone's frustration was bubbling up and that ninth inning really sent them over the edge, I, I get it. Two out of three game series lost to the Tigers. Swept by the Rockies. Swept by the A's. Two out of three games lost to the Nationals. Series, you're, what, what does that make it? Two, uh so I'm trying to do math here. Three and ten, no, three and twelve against those just absolutely terrible teams that aren't trying to win anything. And what we talked about last year was what got them out of the division race in the immediate aftermath of the trade deadline um, was dropping series to the Pirates and the Reds, who were uh, obviously the Pirates are still terrible this year, but the Reds were not the Reds that they are now. 
So, and that's baseball losing great, good team can lose or mediocre team can lose to a bad team. Uh, good um, is fine. Good, good is fine. They are, they are just about good and they can be really good on a given night. They're not a great team though. And I, I do think there's an element. I know this is, I guess this is coming into conversations you and I have had quite a lot regularly. Uh, some conversations that have been going on the discord on a whole variety of different things. I guess it just comes up to, I, I am finding it increasingly tough to be like, what the hell is everyone else seeing here? Because the Brewers could be a playoff team. who could go in a series and then at any point, you know, you could have a Cinderella run, but they're also like, they're not like all of these other teams. And I, I think that's like, these things happen and it's what is making them what they are. And to avoid it, like we know it, it's what everyone wanted. It's like, you've got to go out and really swing big and land multiple high profile bats at the deadline, or you're spending in the off season and you're, you're signing real high caliber free agents. And it's like, if you're not going to do that, eventually it's like, yeah, you're always going to have to deal with the periods where a lot of these guys are scuffling. And this year we've got rookies in the mix and everyone wants to hang the rookies out to dry. And it's like, they're rookies being asked to do a whole lot for a team that does have expectations that have made the playoffs almost every year of late. We know, we know a year they didn't. Um, And it's like, they're being expected to be everyday starters and they're being propelled into a spot where on another team, their introduction could be much more gradual. It could be much softer. You could go out there and you could strike out. And it's not like, Oh, look at this piece of trash. Because you've got two guys either side who are going to be, you know, solid, reliable hitters who are going to make that kind of irrelevant. So, like, I, I think the whole thing kind of comes together to a place where it's like, I think the Brewers are good. I've said it lots of times. I think they're good this year. I think they could be trending towards the higher end of that. We could still see it. We could see them flip the switch. I, they have certainly dropped games against bad teams that they shouldn't this year. I do think they've been better in that department than last year, mostly within their division. You need to keep that up right now with the Pirates. But it's like, to me, it just all comes back to like, this is who they are. And I can't I can't hold that in one part of my brain and then also get really, really angry at this point. If they keep losing, it, it then becomes a different story because it's not about one series. It's a larger thing. It's about attitude. It's about lapse in concentration at the wrong time that will cost you the season. And right now, like, this is where it's it's on the clubhouse, it's on your leaders and the roster, but it's also on great council and staff. Gotta get heads in the game. Gotta get guys right here. Because they're actually healthier than they have been. You've got some reinforcements from the deadline. It's like, okay, you can't just let this slip away from you right now. But I do see a series like this, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is what you get for what you spend, or this is what you get for the kind of self-imposed limits that are there for this team being the Brewers. And you kind of have to live with that. It doesn't mean that great highs can't come down the line as the season goes on, but it certainly means like if you want the perfect, consistent, you know, well-oiled machine of a baseball team, well, it's not going to be the Milwaukee Brewers. And I'm just kind of like, I've come to terms with that. It probably took me some time, but it's like, I get what's happening here. I would really like it to be different. But I also know, like, particularly today, like, as we're talking right now, trade deadline has passed. This is this is what we've got. This is who they are. We've got guys coming back from injuries. Like, that's that's how they're going to be enforced. But it's like, this is now what, what they're playing with. I don't know. It's just, I... 
it's a really disappointing series. You can't do it, but they will do it. And they will do it because of who they are, how they're being constructed and how the whole organization is managed. Like, I just think that's kind of the reality in a 162 game season sport. That's true. And I also think they're, they're too good to be 0 and 6 against the Rockies and the A's. So when you have that in the back of your mind and you're, like, yeah, we're right here in the division. We're a half game back. And then you lose a ninth inning like that. Things go crazy. It's easy for your mind to be like, well, we should be two and a half games up if we had taken care of business against bad teams. Because, like, if you're going to be constructed like the Brewers are, like you're saying, where, okay, we've got this very limited offense where we don't score a lot of runs and we're relying on our pitching to be perfect. Okay, we're going to go out and get absolutely battered by the best team in baseball. Okay, well, you have to make it up over this stretch then. And then we've got 10 games in a row coming up against the Pirates, Rockies, and White Sox, and they need to make some hay here. I think this is a pretty important stretch, as funny as that is to say, because they go out and they – dominate the reds and they take two out of three from the phillies uh and then like don't give it all back against teams that actively are trying to lose baseball games like that's that's where i can understand if you watch that ninth inning and wanted to walk into a lake or something like i mean it was just uh visceral in the moment oh, that's then, as bad as it gets like monasterio's troll like having to watch two runs come in to lose you the game on that i get that oh i that, that... That wasn't even the part of the game that I know. I know that's not the part you're annoyed about, <laughs> but you don't have to be as annoyed with the other parts of the game if not for that. And yeah, that's... like I agree also with your point. It's like, yeah, you look and you're like, this team is way too good to be 0 six against the Rockies and the A's. Are they good enough to be 10 and three against the Reds? Uh well I think the Rays are the Reds are fake news so yeah uh, <laughs> I certainly don't think they're good enough particularly in the time like factor in when they have played the Reds they didn't play them early in the season they're not going to be playing them later in the season um it was this condensed period where the Reds like honestly have a case for being right there as the hottest team in baseball their offense was absolutely firing on all cylinders. And every time they'd see the Brewers, the Brewers would just be like, yeah, cool. Like, the Reds were beating much, much better teams than the Brewers. Like, uh, there's part of that that does balance out. And it doesn't make it any less annoying when you lose to a terrible team. And I will not deny for a second, because it is what cost them last year. And we've talked about it. There's a certain point where, like, you've got to put a stop to that. And it's like, okay, you've lost to the Nationals. You've lost a series to the Nationals. That is really bad. You can't let it happen. It's happened. This is now the point where you got to put a stop to it. You've got seven coming up, the Pirates and the Rockies. I guess even after that into the White Sox. Like, that's a 10-game stretch. Got to be going seven and three, right? Yeah, it's fair. And I think if you're six and four, that's disappointing, but you're probably right still in the mix where you need to be if you're 500 or you lose over that spell you've got big problems and that's where it's just it's undeniable like you're blowing it against the teams where you really should be pulling away with it uh we may get there we may get there but i don't how many how many of the reds wins were one run wins as well a few of those go the other way this conversation's but also it's the story of their season like because the hitting isn't 
good. And particularly now that the pop is gone, as we kept talking about, it's like, what what could they do at adding? And ultimately what they didn't manage to add is someone who's really going to kind of inject some home runs into this team and convert on the scoring opportunities, you know, in the in the kind of ways where you're left in, losing your mind. I just wanted a sack fly is all I wanted. I, I know on this occasion. Uh, but wouldn't a tree run home run it be just as nice? nicer well, even we don't like see it goal, ever seems like what the goal was and instead we got three strikeouts um jamer candelaria is eight for nine with a walk as a cub by the way <laughs> Why do you just you don't need to do that to yourself i i just uh, probably you know as i said it could well go to that final series with the cubs at Amfam. look i'll allow you to you know to punish yourself if uh candelario hits a walk off of the final game of the season to clinch the division for the cubs but there's a lot of baseball to be played. Maybe we don't have to go there. Maybe that doesn't have to happen. Um, yeah, it's just it's you know I the timing of everything makes me un, like let's say people are allowed to feel their frustration uh, in the moment. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Contextually understanding that this team is probably still going to win the division, but this was really annoying, and you would well, like to see them take the driver's seat sooner rather than later. They they might not win the division. Because this is this is now going to end up being one of the most hotly contested divisions. I think as we thought early in the season, as of various points we thought, you know, the Brewers are actually going to have complete control of this. Like, it, yeah, it will come back to, if that's the case again, much like last year, it will come back. They will be the things we will point to. They're the easy things to point to. We know why that happens, though. We know why that happens. We know why the team ends up in these spots. And it's... It is just kind of part and parcel. Like, this is who the Brewers are, who they're built to be. This is kind of built into the overall model. It's like, <laughs> you've you've got to kind of budget for this. You've got to be prepared for this to happen. Um, I don't, I don't kind of, I don't want to di- deny anyone their feelings, anyone their frustrations. Uh, I don't, I just don't do that anymore, generally. Uh, I feel like I've I've reached a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I love sports, and I'm not gonna let them. I'll make I'll let them make my day, but more often than not, I'm gonna try not to let them ruin my day. I think this is not so out of the ordinary with the Brewers. This is not so unforgivable that it's gonna just completely tank the season. That it has to reach that point. They have a run now where they can do all of the unforgivable and speakable things that will ruin my day and ruin multiple days and make me think about all the time I have spent watching this team over the course of the season. This is not it. They're not there yet. They may have set the table to do that. I still don't think they will, though. I, the team is good enough. The team should be getting better, trending the right way. More options are going to come back. I think a lot of what has been good about this team remains good as well. I mean... There are problem spots, and certainly there are problem areas that we hope to see more out of. Christian Yelich, like a few over the last two series, some absolute stinker games thrown in there. But more often than not, what is he doing? He's still looking like the Christian Yelich, who is a completely transformed player from who he'd been in the past, whatever, two, three seasons. Uh, I, I think William Contreras is really moving the right way and is one of the steadiest hitters on this team, and is coming up in really important moments and delivering. You still have some elements of found money with someone in spite of his his throwing error. 
that cost you the game, although you wouldn't blame him. I know you're you're thinking about the strikeouts earlier. And someone like Andrew Monasterio has been fantastic and has really kind of outperformed and outdelivered kind of any expectations that could be had for him. And yet the flashes are still there from the rookies. We've got the Sal Freelick experience, which I think everyone feels great about. Hopefully Sal's feeling good and fresh. He's back at it to start the Pirate series and we get another great series from him. We've seen Weimer and Tarang turn it on and off. We know their defense is reliable. Uh, we need more from Santana, who's been traded for, than letting one go through your legs. I will say that. Let's that's not that's not what this is about at that moment. Yeah, we can talk with the umpiring. Again, though, I think we've all got to go into the decided game of this series knowing what was coming with the umpiring. Because we saw that was it second in game one where the Brewers had to uh had to challenge yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh the tag, yeah. Which which then went viral because it wasn't even close to a tag. And it's that was his first game back after quite a while out of the game. Like we we knew at that point, I was like, oh shit, when's he got home plate? And it's like, oh, he's got home plate for <laughs> for the final game of the series. Well, batting down the hatches. But I just like a, a lot of this just is is kind of what I expect. And I, I get why that's the frustration too. But the only way that changes is higher up the chain of command, you know, right at the top of the chain of command. And it's it's a different conversation. It's when we have a lot of the time, but it's like it's an offseason conversation. I think we'll both agree like Matt Arnold did a really nice job at the deadline. Maybe he could have done more. But I do think we're also aware that his job comes with pretty significant constraints compared to other. Oh, absolutely. Executives like so. I think the Brewers are making what they can kind of, they're making the best out of what they've got all aboard. And maybe it can get even better with, you know, call-ups. If we want to go to like the most kind of lofty of those ambitions or to even some kind of more modest things, maybe Rowdy Telez comes back and looks something closer to Rowdy Telez prior to this season. Uh, that would be very welcome. Brandon Woodruff is going to come back and I have no doubt he's going to look awesome. He's, Looked pretty good in Nashville. He's now back with the Brewers. It's just going to be a matter of when they're going to decide it's go time. Let's slot him in. I still feel good about this team, and I good is the key word though. And I think at this point, I want to I want to make that clear. Like, I there is a ceiling on this team. It's a very defined ceiling, and for them to outachieve what their expectations are, it will take all kind of things breaking their way at the right time. And I really don't think anything that we see now like is a factor in it at all. I think we could just throw it out there. Like they need to be the Cinderella story. They need to be the freaky hot team. And I'm not talking about going to win a World Series. It's a given they'd have to be if that was to happen. But I mean to just like get in the playoffs and win a series, maybe win two series, or win a series and really push things close in a second. It's like, yeah, things would have to fall into place. The whole roster is constructed with that in mind. That is their strategy. And the only way that will stop being their strategy is if they look into the jackpot with guys who are in their system. I, Everyone in the Brewers, I think, is doing the best they can do to make that happen. I think the work that they do from a development perspective, the work that they do scouting, is next level. It's why this team has been so successful in spite of the very, very obvious restraints that they're all working with. So it's just kind of like, yeah, this is bad. It, there's going to be lots of series like this. 
there's going to be lots of series about this. The key thing is not string them all together at once when division rivals are surging. They've a division rival surging and they've got more series against crappy teams. Make sure you don't let it compound itself and you're fine. And then you're still going to be the favorite to win the division. So if the Braves I could be, don't I could be shouting and screaming, Andrew, if, if the next, if they lose four to the Pirates, I'm just going to like shout for an entire podcast. If they lose four to the Pirates, you're going to be shouting and I'm going to be dead inside silent. So that's that's the trajectory we'll be on at that point. I don't think that's going to happen. No, not on wood. Um, I think more people uh, come down on the the rational side that you're coming down on than me being like, I can't believe they lost two out of three to the Nats. Oh, do you not? I don't get I don't, on. I don't think much. so. I don't think so at all. I, I don't. I I take that from our own community, all people who I love talking baseball with. And it's like, I I think when a game like last night happens, people take it really hard. And again, everyone is entitled to that. I've opted out of that. I just, I just don't think it's healthy. And I don't think it's like, I find baseball fun. You know, the former brewer I know has made this their brand. Uh, but I do think baseball is fun. I think the brewers overall are a pretty fun team to follow, particularly with young players in the mix this year. There you go. You're showing me your baseball is fun hat. I, I think you could just wipe all of that away if you if you hold them by a standard that they are never going to meet. If you hold them by what's an impossible standard. And I, I think it's it's really, really fair. And you and I fall into the category of wanting that standard to be a higher one. But I don't think that doesn't come from like the accountability level that fans are holding these guys to. It's like that comes from the Brewers have to be a different type of team. There have to be an organization that functions that really kind of takes much bigger, bolder swings in a different way if those expectations are to be moved, I think, for everyone and for it to be fair. I'm not saying that's ever going to happen. It may not even be realistic for that to happen. I, it certainly isn't going to be under the current ownership. But I I just think, like, this is kind of the level. It's like they're going to be really good, and there will be great memories. There will be years where it works out, and there will be a lot of painful losses even in those good seasons. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think uh, this is an off-season podcast. It'll be really good uh, because I think uh, Chorio could be the get-out-of-jail-free card in terms of being a quote-unquote contender because if you have one guy who's Ronald Acuna Jr. level production and you're building in around him, that makes the job a lot easier. And I think the level that Christian Yelich has gotten back to pairing with his debut gives them opportunity to kind of surprise us in the next three to five years. Um but that that depends on him hitting the one hundred percent of his ceiling and not the seventy five percent of his ceiling. So it's a, it's I think it's when when you say a, he, he could be the get out of jail free card, are you talking about this season? Or are you talking just no as a no no no, no no yeah okay that's I'm talk- fair in the wider project. I agree with that. You, that's how they could look yeah, into the, it. 
Yeah, exactly. The comment you made was like under this ownership, it's probably not going to happen in terms of them being like the year in and year out contender. I think there's a window within his peak if he is what, like I said, that top level that where that becomes a real possibility. But that's an well, offseason conversation. Well, it is, but we're having part of it now. I mean, what I'd still argue with that is, what will the pitching look like then? That's a good question. I mean, a lot of because those he's, questions. He's not be... going to pay even one of those. It's like under, like again, the under disownership element of that. It's like, yeah, I I'm with you. And if Jackson Churio is as good as he can be, that could all be true. Um, if you even at this point feel like that's a possibility, though, while you're going to have him on a cheap contract, now is the time to be paying Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff and locking in one of those guys and being like, we have one of the best starting pitchers in all of baseball heading this thing up to go with our top talent, you know, in the outfield. I, I like, and that's, that's where at this point I have concerns about it. Cause I don't know if anyone is going to be extended, including like Woody. So that, that's Woody's the only way tough I, one right now. That's a tough one with the shoulder stuff, but it, it's probably like, that's, we say it's a tough one. Maybe it's easier for them than ever because there might be a discount, and it's probably probably the only way that they extend anyone. Like, I mean, to get back to the point, I think because even with Churio, because we are at a point where it's not impossible we see Jackson Churio this year. I again will say I don't think this is what they're going to do. It's not impossible. He may well be the savior of the franchise. I just think it would be really bad news for him to be called up this year and to be viewed as a potential savior. And the part of this feeds into guys who aren't as like, they aren't the level of prospect that he is, but you see how people start to feel about all the other rookies over time. If there's one thing that I'm astonished by with baseball, it's how quickly the guys will get written off by fans. Don't understand that. Don't understand that at all. And with Churio, I think he is, he is it. Like, he is the thing. We're just talking about that could be the thing you look into. If it's not him, well, you're probably not looking into it at all. So I do have some concerns if, like, 19-year-old kid gets thrown into the limelight and all of a sudden you've got 40,000 people in the stadium every game and you've got much more than that online. And it's like, he doesn't just have to be good. He doesn't just have to be good for a 19-year-old and on the track that, I, God, what, look what this guy's going to be at 23, 24, 25. It's like, no, you need to help now. You need to look like a star now. He could do that. He may just be that good. But I do think all of that factors into a place where I'm like, I, I, I just, I would feel better if I felt like expectations all around were, were more kind of aligned with what the Brewers do. And I will hold my hands up and say, like, when you and I first started podcasting with the Brewers and first started really like digging in on this team, I think I certainly was way out on in terms of having a feel for, you know, there's a lot of that that I would still feel, but there's a lot of things I think we were told or people were trying to explain that I get now. I would just push back on accepting it. I, I think you've got to, what you've got to accept is the reality of what a team is on a given year. But what should be challenged is the fact that that is the reality that Brewers fans are served up every year. If that makes sense. I, I hope that's clear. I, I think you can ask, 
you could demand that the ceiling gets raised but you can't ask for all of these guys like you know we've got like someone like Owen Miller who basically played the best baseball of his life for a month and all of a sudden then he looks like Owen Miller again everyone's like this guy's trash get him out of here it's like yeah well he's Owen Miller he's the Owen Miller they acquired like don't ask him to like absolutely smash through his ceiling and stay there forever it's like ask the Brewers to acquire players who are a level above that, that, you know, the floor is lower and you get something that's much better, much more sustainable. So yeah. uh, I, I really just wanted to extend the pod a little bit. I wanted to get you talking because you were fired up before we started. Uh, and I was like, okay, I don't want this just to be, we just talk through the losses, but I, it does feed into a lot of what I'm feeling, which is just like, I love this team. I love watching the Brewers. Yeah, sometimes they're really bad. And I know why they're really bad. And yeah, it's annoying, but it's like I've got to a place where I can kind of just be like, all right, that was awful. By the time I wake up the next day, I'm like, it's a new day. <laughs> they could go and they could sweep the next series because this is who they are. And it's the kind of inbuilt inconsistency that comes from constructing a roster like this. Four game series, Adam, so they, they can mop this series. And That's true. Then, then we'll be having a really good time. I think I'm... Uh... I think there are a lot of people that are holding them to a standard uh, that's probably too high, and you and I are probably like one rung on the ladder apart from the standard we're holding them to. Like, just I'm holding them to a, yeah, yeah. a little higher I, standard than you are. And it's it's very rare across all our podcasts we do that you and I aren't in lockstep. Um, that I, might be coming to a podcast feed near you tomorrow. <laughs> that's also possible we'll see there's another barbie viewing to come for me to make my mind about that um but yeah i i think that's fair we are probably one rung apart and you uh baseball just uh, it stabs you in the heart more than like maybe if if we were taught if this well, was a if this was a football or I'll say soccer for clarity for everyone else podcast maybe if that's what we were doing and it was about other teams in my life uh, I'd have a harder time doing that um kind of separating but I like look part of it is probably just to protect myself it's like I I know what the Brewers are who the Brewers are I I don't like a lot of that but I do accept it in season that that's not the time it can change. Well, here's the also, and we don't, we will not get into this very deeply, but you do not have the uh, comparison is the thief of joy element uh, sure. to this, to this. I get so, it. It's, I, I just want it to do bad. Like, I want to do like three playoff podcasts in a row where it's like six in the morning and we're trying to uh, talk about Brewers, Giants, or whoever, yeah, or but, Dodgers, yeah. like, like to that too and i think this is i don't know you probably have given this thought but if not oh i'll put it out there so you can give it thought the fairy tale scenario for this season whatever the fairy tale like i'm not talking the ultimate fairy tale i'm i'm being somewhat realistic probably still results in the Braves absolutely tearing the brewers limb from limb in the postseason like we could get it, we could get some joy. Like maybe they're a wild card team; they have to win there. Whatever, like whatever way things, we'll we'd see. We'll see what way it plays out. But even if we get like a playoff series win, things end up on a nice path. It's like there is a collision course this year, and possibly for future years. 
you know, this this is where a Jackson Cheerio could, will ultimately come in. It's like if those gaps are to be to be bridged, if it is possible. But realistically, like there is still that's that's probably the best case scenario this Brewer season will ultimately just... end up with that Braves team showing that there are levels to this. And I, I know also, and I appreciate that a lot of people kind of get invested in and it proves to be like fair and true most years, which is that you can make a run, you can come out of the pack. And it's like, there's the, just the absolute kind of unpredictability of the MLB playoffs means it could be you, but really can it be you like an element of that last year? It's like the Phillies, the Phillies go on that run. Yeah, look at that roster and look what they did to get to that point. It's like, and I know that's a conversation we had in the offseason too. It's like, it's it's all very well, the bites at the apple mentality. And it's like, sure, it could play out that way. But even with that, there is usually a built-in level of, yeah, okay, look at that roster. You might have an underperforming team. You might have an older team where it's like, they've got to manage the season in a different way. And it's only kind of, unload the chamber when you get to the playoffs but uh there are levels to this and the brewers put themselves at a disadvantage where the challenges they will have to overcome are far greater than basically all of the other teams who will make the postseason that's true to a degree but the same reason that the brewers are three and 12 against those bad teams i've listed is the same reason why people cling to hope even if you have a shot at getting it is because this sport is very stupid like stupid things happen in this sport and i'm um, not anti, and... i'm not anti-hope just for the record i'm not anti-hope i want everyone to keep hoping the brewers win a world series this year uh would, but uh, oh, off-season uh, exercise is also me going down like the last 30 years of baseball history and seeing how many times like the best team won the world series that would be an interesting exercise because the funny the thing about a baseball series is, say when they go into a five game series against the Braves or a seven game series against the Braves, there's like a twenty five percent chance, or the actual odds for the series would be much higher. But there's like in my heart, there's a twenty five percent chance of me thinking they could do this. Whereas if the Charlotte Hornets go up against the one seed Bucks in a playoff series, there is a zero percent chance uh, part of me that thinks they're gonna win. Yeah, but you say that, and I guess there's also an element of this then, which like. Maybe I bring baggage to this because my first loves in sports, I'm really, I mean, my foundational sporting kind of life is tied to non-playoff sports. The best team always wins. Best team always wins. You have a league table, finishes at the end of the season, you're on top of the league table, congratulations. You're the best team. You won. Makes a lot of sense, really. It truly does. Um, the idea that, like, I, I think too much emphasis is often placed on, oh, well, look, the best team doesn't always win in the playoffs. It's like, of course, because it's a different thing. It's the playoffs. And to be the best team over the course of a season, you're going to expand a certain amount of energy. And it's like, you could take the NBA, though. I think on balance, the books are probably the best team of the last five years. They're right there if they're not. Really strong case for that. You give the example. They did lose a first round series last year. They lo- they looked absolutely terrible, and then everyone just flips to you know they weren't they weren't that good to begin with. It's just like no, that's not true. It's like sure, there's an element of unpredictability, but they also got a championship out of that run. You know, 
they've got one. They might not get more, but they've got one. And I, I do think like that probably applies just as readily if you were to look back over a, the history of baseball in that way over the last 20, 30, 40 years, whatever way you want to do that exercise. You say you'll do it in the offseason. I would be prepared to bet that we may spark some people who listen to probably take a look at this before either of us could even get to it. I think in any sport it is generally an unrealistic expectation, particularly in salary cap sports where you have a level of parity. Um, we know baseball, that's a tricky business in its own right, but there are, there are still some controls built in, or at least at this point you have teams who are compete competing at the top end um, on a similar level who are prepared to spend similar money or have similar built in advantages. Steve Cohen's not... playing for 2025 now. <laughs> I don't believe that either. That's again, not what is an off-season podcast. Uh, I don't think the best team is always going to win. It's just, it doesn't work like that. That is why we watch sports is because the best team doesn't always win. But will a team that is committed and consistent and remains at that kind of level for two, three, four, five years, will they ultimately win? Yes, I think in the majority of cases they will. And the flip side of that then is you could come out of every year and be like, oh, the best team didn't win. The best team didn't win. Like the Bucks again, to bring Milwaukee sports to this, the Bucks did not win in their best season. The roster had zero depth. There was no reason for that to be the year they won. But it was just their year, right? And I think it is possible that the second best team, the third best team could win a World Series nearly every year. But on one of those years, it's going to be, you know, everyone's going to kind of have a chance to get their turn. Some teams will miss out, but you will get there eventually. I think that is very, very different from being like, just got to make the wild card and, you know, then we could win the World Series. It's like, I I don't think it's that. It's not impossible. Of course, it's not. Everyone has a chance, but the odds are incredibly slim. It's like, if you are right there, if you can be in the top three, four teams in baseball for five years your turn will come. I buy that strategy. At the lower end, the odds are so, so low. And I don't think we should forget that. Nationals take the series two to one. Yeah. We... Should we get beers? Should we look ahead? Should we do that stuff? Yeah, I came into this not expecting to uh, talk about the mental state of a baseball fan after 109 games of watching a team not be able to score runs. Um, but that's what we did. And, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, nobody yell at me. I have to get work done today. Um, uh, okay, the joke I was holding on to uh, earlier, Angel Hernandez being an umpire in Major League Baseball games is like if you had a convenience store clerk and, like, three times a day, threw a Coke can at a customer's head and you just keep continuing let, letting him to do his job. That's what Angel Hernandez calling baseball games feels like. Anyway, uh, handing out beers through 109 games. Joel Pimps, uh, great relief work, two scoreless innings. Bryce Wilson gave some bulk release work as well, bounced back after a, a tough outing in that Brave series. Wade Miley on a pitch count, four innings pitch, just the one runner allowed, gets out of that fourth uh, inning, bases loaded jam. Hopefully he can extend out uh, and be that five and dive and even better guy next time out. 
Uh, Corbin Burns, good outing, quality start, six innings, just two runs allowed. William Contreras, some clutch hits um, in the series to drive in runs. Bryce Terang, um, three hits in the series uh, and uh, eight at-bats. Three runs scored, two RBI, and a walk. Uh, Joey Weimer. Uh, got three hits in the series as well. Had those are uh, really good at bats to drive in runs in those key situations um, and played really good defense in center field. I thought uh, in the final game of the series um, during a time where we very well may see a Sal Freelich, Joey Weimer platoon. Joey Weimer is, you know, seems to seems to be up for the challenge of fighting for his playing time. And uh, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, his takes are the most exciting. Uh, oh, I love it. I hate it. Like, it's terrifying. Uh, there was one. I think he drew a walk. Or not. He didn't draw a walk in the series, did he? This might, this might have been the uh, infield single at bat, if I'm remembering correctly, but it might not have been. There was one where on the take, like, the ball was over his head or whatever, and it, his just by the nature of what it's like when he starts to swing, he swung at it and was like turned his body to the ground, like he was swinging on the ground. I don't know how his body gets in the positions that they get. Uh, he's he's sometimes he's like a giraffe uh, on on a uh, ice rink. A deer. Did you have anything to just, add? Just just to visualize that in a, in a clearer way that people are familiar with. Um, but the giraffe on an ice rink, that's next level. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that is, that is what Sorry, like. that's, no, that's Taco Fall. That's my bad. Uh, <laughs> it's not Joey. Joey, Joey's a, a deer. And, and when he's in the outfield, he's a gazelle. Um, anyway, leaderboard through 109 games. Devin Williams with 26. Yol Pimes with 22. Christian Yelich with 20. Corbin Burns and William Contreras with 18. Brian Anderson, Elvis Pagaro, Hobie Milner with 14. Uh, as does Joey Weimer, um, Willie Adamas with 13, Owen Miller, Bryce Wilson, Bryce Tarang with 12, Peter Shreslecki with 11, uh, poor one out for Peter, um, Rowdy Tellez with 10, Freddie Peralta, Victor Caratini, Wade Miley with 9, Julio Tehran, Colin Ray, Andre Monasterio with 8, Adrian Hauser with 6, Garrett Mitchell with 5, Blake Perkins, Jesse Winker, Admiral Uribe, Sal Freelick with 4, Jake Cousins, Eric Lauer, Trevor McGill, Tyron Taylor with 3, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farland, Javi Guerra, Rymel Tapia, and Abraham Toro with two. Mike Barroso, Luke Voigt, Matt Bush, Tyson Miller, Darren Ruff, J.B. Bukowskis, Jemai Jones, and J.C. Mejia with one. Shall we look ahead, Adam? Let's look ahead. Really, it was, it's what ahead. I wanted to say from the very first moment to the podcast. Uh, no, I think it's important to wallow sometimes, just, you know, uh, therapeutically. Uh, Thursday, August 3rd, 6.15. Central start in the great city of Milwaukee. Uh, Adrian Hauser on the mound against Mitch Keller. This is a national broadcast, so big boy Fox. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, seven ten Central start. Colin Ray uh, on the mound against Quinn Priester. That's going to be Friday, August 4th. Saturday, uh, 6-10 Central start. Corbin Burns returns to the mound to face question mark. Uh, Sunday, August 6th, 110 Central Start, Freddie Peralta on the mound facing off against Johan Oviedo. And the Rockies come to town for three, and then Brewers will have an off day next Thursday, August 10th, followed by three against the White Sox. So, baseball, they play it. Um, half game back of the Reds in the NL Central. Uh, Cubs are closing in 
behind on both of these teams, three games back of the Reds, two and a half games back of the Brewers. Brewers, I think, are still in that mix of teams tied um, for the wild, uh, the final wild card spot to get the Giants and Phillies, who are slightly ahead, and then the Brewers and Marlins at 58 and 51, Diamondbacks at 57 and 52. And as you said, they added Tommy Pham to the mix, so that might as well then be, be them tanking their team chemistry. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, he's actually been a good hitter this year, so that'll be interesting. They have lost two straight games since adding him, although I don't know if he played last night. So uh, it, he may not even need to play, but just you, they know. They, they had know. conflict at the at the fantasy football draft, and that they were like, why are we doing it so early? We need to wait and see how the rest of the preseason plays out. I'm so glad the Brewers don't have to play the Diamondbacks again, because the end of this pit would be Tommy Van walking off uh, the Brewers. So it's a relief that we could just make this joke quite freely. Although maybe he'll just you know walk off to take the wild card spot if the Brewers end up in that race or whatever it ends up being. Uh, one one thing to add here is I do think Sunday was would be timing wise about right for Brandon Woodruff's next start, and maybe they could stretch that out to Monday. We don't know exactly what the Brewers are going to do there. We do know he is he was due to join up with them today in Milwaukee. I guess we see. I I don't really expect them in this series. Maybe he joins up and they say, hey, well, let's spend some time here. Maybe we get you one more start um, somewhere in the minor leagues. But we're keeping in mind, we we may well be that close to a, a Brandon Woodruff return. Uh, depending on the... Di- Never mind, I'm not going to put this out into the ether. Um. What was uh, his last uh, rehab start? Four and two-thirds innings, three runs. He got up to, was it 60 or 70 pitches? Somewhere in that uh, I realm? think it was 70, yeah. It was close to that. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, can't wait for that day. I think, I think that's all we got. Um, You know, if, uh, if you're a Brewers fan and, you know, you're struggling with series losses to the Nationals, uh uh, I'm gonna try and find us a a sponsor uh that uh, for online therapy. I was gonna shout out a brand, and I'm not gonna do that because I've learned my lesson in the past. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shirk my day job responsibilities, and I'm just gonna cold call uh online therapy and and try and sign them up for a GSPN deal. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, we'll see how it goes. Um, there's a very good chance <laughs> I may have made all of the people who are already angry with the loss to the Nationals even more angry. So. Listen, I look forward to hearing. Uh, I think people. I, I really think people are going to be more mad at me. No, I don't think so. You listen. That is how you go about living your life every day: is thinking more people are going to be mad at you. Uh, but I, I think I think it's. I think it might be me. We'll find out. Uh, look forward to Popcorn. hearing from all of our listeners. As always, make sure you never miss an episode. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's cruising for a bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows on the main feed, the Eurostep Podcast Network. You'll get all things Milwaukee books. From Tywin Ish and Ronald Cotty, also myself and Jordan Tresky, within the summer months, as Brewers and Packers are beginning to, well, Brewers coming to the business end of their season, Packers ramping up, um, Jordan and I, largely shift our attention elsewhere. So time we're on, I've got you covered for all things books. As I mentioned, Jordan, I'll also mention Numac. They co-host Talking to Tundra for everything. I'm going to actually 
be hosting them at my house for Christmas uh, breakfast the morning after Panthers uh, Packers in Charlotte on Christmas Eve. So I'm really looking forward to wow. hosting Jordan and Numac. They have already committed to this, and I'm looking forward to it. You see, if they were to do a reverse bit like that, you wouldn't need to be convinced, you know? If the shoe was on the other foot here, we, we know we know who the reckless, hell yeah, let's do a sports trip party of the, the GSPN crew is. We'll see how that sure works do. out for you. Maybe, you never know, maybe. Christmas with Numak? Do you really want that? Do you want to think can... through that? <laughs> I can see him in a sweater carving a turkey as we speak, and it's it's a beautiful sight. He's a rudely large man. Uh, last but by no means least, make time for this, for all things pop culture, for all things movies. Um, most recent episode is on Oppenheimer. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 before that, and uh, recording later today and hitting your feeds tomorrow. Barbie! To... Uh, two bearded glasses wearing white man will sit down to discuss Gregor Wick's Barbie what could go wrong uh if you're also struggling with your uh you know self esteem issues in the wake of baseball uh, losses just know that you're Knuff I was just about to say Andrew you truly are Knuff as always thanks all of you for listening thank you Andrew thanks all 